Oh yeah, we are. We already did an hour of pre-show grab ass, so we don't need to grab right. as much ass this this time around. Right. It, it feels like it's been so long. It feels we like we can grab been... slightly less ass than normal. Yes, <laughs> maybe maybe a little pinch. Maybe just, just goose it a little bit. Just. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> I think the sound effect was necessary, and that and that makes it so much more uncomfortable. <laughs> You're telling me. Autobots, transform and roll out. Welcome back for another thrilling episode of Two Mikes, Two Furious, Animated Transformers, where you are Mike, and we are Mike, and we're talking about Transformers animated one episode at a time from two different points of view. My name is Mike Seibert, and I have never watched Transformers animated before this project, and joining me as always... My uh, my spark soul brother, a serial rewatcher of Transformers animated. It's Michael Andrews. Hello, hello. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Uh, glad to be back in the saddle. I'm excited for this episode specifically. Sorry, I'm going to jump right in a little bit because uh, I'm I'm really excited to do this episode with you. I was excited to do the Soundwave one, um, but this one this one's a lot of fun too. Yeah, and and picking up kind of kind of more or less thematically where we left off in that episode, I had talked about the this sense of being kind of like getting towards like the the top of the roller coaster where it's like it's been build up and build up and build up. This I feel like is the episode that I've been waiting for. You know, it's like I mean again, I love the Soundwave episodes and I love the individual character focused episode and i feel like that every character has been well established and very well served and i got i have a really good feeling of the story that we're building and the characters that are in it and and the elaborate tapestry that the folks that that have been building for us here's where it really kind of finally starts paying off i feel like this episode is kind of like we're at the at just about the crest of the roller coaster where it's like you could feel yourself curling over the top to where you can see like almost like the entire panoramic horizon of the the wherever you're enjoying this roller coaster is at and it's getting to where like maybe like you're in the middle car and like some of the other folks have already started to go <laughs> down, but you're still kind of like in the middle there. You don't quite know what the drop is going to look like yeah. yet, but they're you know screaming it. you aren't. <laughs> yes, 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 yeah. exactly. That and that's how this feels because this, uh, this episode rocks and it gives me a lot of what I've been looking for in that we have Decepticons on earth we have fights. We've got some uh, great character beats. This is a jam-packed episode, and I'm I'm just uh, I'm really excited to dive right into it. Of course, we are talking about Transformers Animated Season One, Episode Number Eleven, Lost and Found. And this one is Lost and Found, as opposed to Sound and Fury was Sound ampersand Fury. I, yeah. I just I think I I I don't know why I'm even calling it out. <laughs> I don't even know why I. I noticed it, but maybe because I, I, I watched them in close succession or something. I, I, I don't know, but like, you know, and it's interesting that we have 
two back-to-back episodes that that are I, I uh, I'm not a writer. What, what what do you call it when it's like two words that are like separated by like an and? So you have like sound and fury, lost and found. You know, it's 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 just weird weird uh uh pattern i guess yeah i'll I'll ask a writer if i'm if i talk to one (laughs) if only i knew one (laughs) there may be one in this very room um but no we're so it's a a lost and found episode 11 airing on march 1st 2008 written by rich fogel and jumping right into it i didn't realize that we're just this episode is just basically transformers dark of the moon Oh my God. That's the first thing I wrote down was dark of the moon. It's, it's literally the first thing on my notes, dark of the moon. Yeah. Same, same, right. It opens with mysterious activity on the moon. It's, you know, the, the ship crash, even that like symbolism of the, of the ship crashed into the moon like that. Uh, and then cu- emerging from the crater, like that's all there, you know, uh, five years later or whatever, when dark of the moon comes out, it's like, that's right. There. Yeah, yeah, un- unreal. I mean, and it's it's interesting how prescient Transformers animated continues to be for what we would eventually see in the in the live action movies. And I I wonder, and I I've posited this before because this is like my first time through. So it's like now I could watch it and say, "Oh, hey, it's Dark of the Moon." But I wonder how many folks were watching Dark of the Moon. It's like, this is just lost and found. Right. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> Some guy it's in like, the theater. This is just season one, episode 11 of Transformers Animated 2007. <laughs> oh, man. And how disappointed would it be? It's like if you're if you're watching Dark of the Moon in the theater and you're expecting Blitzwing and Lugnut to come out and they just don't. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, to that point, uh, now that we've kind of let the cat out of the bag of uh, Lugnut and Blitzwing, we've kind of rolled over it a little bit. It's very easy to, but like you were saying with the roller coaster metaphor, it's been Decepticon, 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 Decepticon. Like it's, they ramp it up. In my head, it doesn't ramp up that fast, but now watching it actually again and noticing, oh yeah, we have three uh, jam-packed Decepticon episodes where we're getting, we're getting the gang together. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I, um, you know, we, we've seen Decepticons before, you know, we, we, we saw Starscream, we've met Black Arachnia, and in the previous episode, we met Soundwave, um, or, or saw Soundwave being born into the Decepticon cause, I guess he, he's a new Decepticon, um, uh, technically. And of course, you know, the, the ongoing threat of Megatron, but it's neat to see kind of like height of their powers, you know, fully empowered Decepticons. I, I like this, this, this duo, this teaming of Lugna and Blitzwing specifically. I think I like how their personalities clash off each other. And mm-hmm. I mean, I mean that plurality literally, because obviously you have a, a Blitzwing with his, um, his uh, multiple personalities here, but I just, I, I love this um the this discussion that they're having you know it's like you know you had said way back at the beginning of the show when we were first meeting the decepticons in uh transform and roll out exclamation point it's like you know these guys have been around each other for a long time and they're really kind of sick of each other and you really kind of see that here like almost immediately with this bickering but it also 
gives you a lot of information. It gives you like a lot of info dumpy stuff. It's just like, oh man, here's Megatron ship. Oh man, we uh, we lost track of the signal. Oh man, we haven't heard anything since we uh, lost contact with uh, lockdown. And Ludna just just hauls off like right off the bat, saying like, "Do not mention that worthless bounty hunting scrap heap. He is a disgrace to the glorious name of Decepticon." It's almost it's almost like Blitzwing had called. Uh, uh, lockdown Martha or something is like, you know, you know, lockdown. Why would you say that name? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, well, I was going to say uh, the writer of this episode, Rich Fogel, uh, who also did the uh, Prometheus Black episode. Mm-hmm. I was like, this guy must be a podcaster, right? Because he's doing the dive right in. This is a very unique intro to the show where we're just getting to the characters right away. We're just getting to the what's happened. I mean, think about it. Most of the episodes we see are. You know, it starts with Sari, it starts with Bulkhead, it starts with Ratchet, it starts with the Autobots at the very least. And this is jumping right into, you know, two Decepticons and we've been waiting to see and boom, there they are. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And um, I I wrote in my notes, uh, this argument with uh, Blitzwing and Lugna is is awesome. And I'm all like, finally, some Decepticons, two exclamation points. Yeah. So so I I really like that we're reestablishing uh, the Decepticon threat. And, you know, we, we had talked about previously that it would probably be interesting for our audience to go back and reevaluate some of my takes early on. And I, when we first met Lugnut, I, you know, because he only has like a couple lines, I kind of made some assumptions that I don't know are entirely accurate now that that I've kind of spent a little more time with him. I thought that he's, you know, kind of dim-witted and slow, maybe like a Decepticon version of Bulkhead, perhaps. And right. one and and there is some of that. And we'll certainly get into that later because you you do you get a a Titanic clash of Titans. Um, which, which, which is really, really cool. Um, there, there's some, there's some good stuff coming, but I, I remember remarking specifically about, uh, speculating that Lugnut has a limited vocabulary because of the confidence in his cadence where he's like, you know, Hey, don't, don't talk shit about Megatron. You know, Megatron is wise. Megatron is bold and Megatron will, you know, lead the Decepticons to, you know, greatness again or something like that. And it feels like that's kind of like the extent of, of what he says. And there is some of that here, but as we, as the episode unfolds, he does have more to say but also it's still that like i i love this uh uh this exchange where where blitzwing is just kind of like you know what we we don't even know if megatron is uh, is alive and lugna is just not having that like at all it's like he feels it he knows it and he's like i know two things the decepticons will rule cybertron and megatron will rule the decepticons I just I, I just thought yeah. like that tells you everything you need to know about Lugnut. 
Yeah. Yeah. Really, really nice tight writing there. Um, and in this exchange too, if we're, uh, you know, I was all ready to go into my voices diatribe, but it's two voices we've already heard. We know Bumper Robinson does Blitzwing, which is still pretty mind blowing. Uh, yeah. it's the, that he can switch to that at all. Um, and then I found out that David K did Lugnut. I didn't know that pulling triple duty now, I think, or at yeah. least triple duty. So it does kind of make sense because the voice is a little bit uh, Grimlock esque. So I can I can see that, but but yeah, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have guessed that. I was I was all excited to look up who this voice actor was, and and it's old David K. Yeah, or young David K. I guess at the time, <laughs> <laughs> who, who plays a young Optimus. Right, it, right. It's actually right. young Optimus. <laughs> see, it it all it all kind of works out. It all kind of yeah. works out. <laughs> time is bullshit. <laughs> exactly, but I also like you know we we had talked about that this is basically like a send up of Dark of the Moon, but it also kind of in a in a way touches on uh, Transformers two thousand seven in a way where like Lugnut steps on the rover and he's got like you know he's looking at it like it's yes. like you know like it's dog shit on his shoe, and I just remember like in the promotional lead up to Transformers two thousand seven. Remember they had like that that uh, yeah. it's like the Mars rover and like that was the entirety of the first teaser trailer and all you see is like a shadow. It's like a protoform or like a right like the you know the sort of space junk if you will <laughs> the space garbage look yeah. Uh, uh, robot shall- silhouette. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I, I, I thought it was kind of like a clever callback, not callback that, that it kind of sort of ends up paying off here with, uh, you know, I mean, granted it's the moon and not Mars, but like retroactively I could see, Oh, well that's probably just like not stepping on it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, that yeah. Kind of I thing. think that definitely has to be related with, especially with how close this show is tied to the movie and, and that sort of marketing and all that. I can see that, that being a direct relation to that to that trailer a teaser i guess so we leave the dark of the moon and we proceed to earth where we open on ratchet uh doing one of his uh favorite activities taking a stasis nap who doesn't love a good stasis nap that sounds pretty good (laughs) you know what's funny though but before we move on from that the stasis nap to me, that's a very funny concept because stasis is also used as like death or coma uh, terminology, especially in Beast Wars. So for yeah. Ratchet taking a stasis nap, that's just being like, he's really snoozing at that point, right? Like he's got one foot in the grave napping is basically yeah. what he's saying. He's so tired, he put himself into a coma. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Which kind of sounds delightful from a certain point of view. Yeah, too, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. It's like, sorry, can't help you. Coma. <laughs> <laughs> he slipped into a coma. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a very funny little opening here. And, and sorry runs up. I really I thought it was a very like. Dennis the Menace and Mr. Wilson kind of relationship, right? Like he's just like, go away. I'm trying to take a nap. And she's like all excited and wants to do stuff. Um, even that reference is for us old people. I don't know if anyone gets the Dennis the Menace <laughs> reference in this day and age, but that's what it reminded me of. Yeah, totally. But she's playing street hockey with the Autobots. And here's a reference that's still kind of old, but maybe more people will get. She makes a Wayne's World reference, which I was so excited because she says game on when they go back to play hockey. And that's, Oh, that's a classic moment from Wayne's World when they're playing street hockey in that street. Game on! Game on! Game on! Game on! 
Yeah, so she uh, uh, rouse Ratchet from his stasis nap by by smacking this floor hockey ball into the um, the side, and he's like, "Hey, watch the fender." <laughs> she she says something about like the game, but he's like, you know, I'm not a fan of these childish games, and just right. just just really cranking up the the Mr. Wilson here. He he is just not. Not having any of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeesh, what a grouch. The the game continues, and you get to see yet another use of Bumblebee's Heelys. He's oh, he's yeah. just zipping around on those, which I which I think is pretty neat. But she's she's playing this uh, uh street hockey with Prowl, Bumblebee, and Bulkhead. So it seems that ah. per- perhaps time has passed or maybe like because because kind of where where things were left is like still friends. But like like you had said in our episode about Sound and Fury is that like it it's tenuous and it's still kind of strained. There's still kind of a little bit of a strain there, but it is nice to see Bulkhead uh, being part of this hockey game. Yeah, things are mending. Maybe they're not back to what we need it to be. But but it, either way, it sort of brought all the Autobots together. Like, I don't think we would have got this shot of, you know, them all hanging out playing a game in the past. But maybe that's a product of, you know, now Sari and Bulkhead aren't in their own little world. Uh, so we cut to uh, Blitzwing and Lugnut touching down on Earth. Um, we get a little bit more of them. We've tracked that Lugnut is a big Megatron fan. He's stage five clinger of Megatron. And then... The Autobots roll out and they leave Sari behind because it's too dangerous uh, to go look into this. I think this scene is really cool how it was uh, drawn. Uh, when the Autobots are actually like leaving Sari, there's like this, she's swept up in the wind and it's almost slow motion, but it's just sort of this sad moment of them getting left behind. It's incredibly epic, right? It, it, they're, they're all rolling past. They're just leaving her in the dust. And this is a really interesting scene because like this is them saying, we don't want human involvement. This is almost them right. saying what the fans have been saying. We don't, it's too dangerous for a human. You shouldn't be here. Uh, so I thought that was really interesting. It's it's like, this, this is our work to do. You know, that this doesn't concern you almost kind of like a, a, a somewhat of a condescending way, but also still in the interest of uh, protecting sorry. Now you had, uh, you had mentioned a moment ago about the, the animation style. And I found the animation style here to be very different from a lot of the other episodes. It's like the character models are the same, but the dynamic action feels very different. And there was, um, there, there was the sequence where uh, it was still during the hockey game. And it's when um, Ratchet is really given, sorry, the business about using her key again. Um, oh yeah. Very like, important. So, yeah, so what happens is like, you know, she goes to shoot a goal and like basically the, the the goalie robot has been disabled using the key, which but basically like so Ratchet is kind of giving her the business, but like Sorry, how many times do I have to tell you that key is not a toy? I said knock it off. It it was interesting to see the amount of movement in his in his face it's very fluid and his eyes like squint and open and move and it's it's very emotive he's very angry but like we've 
in the other episodes, you know, you, you see like eyes pop out or something like that, but like it kind of reminded me a little bit of when you see Galvatron at the end of Transformers the movie when he's strangling Hot Rod right before he unleashes the Matrix. Like you could just see the anger in his eyes as they're as they're squinting and narrowing and yeah. A lot of eye movement there. And I don't know if I've necessarily seen that in in a Transformers animated episode so far. Yeah, really showing off what the what the 2D hand drawn animation can do and you know kind of thumbing it to the cgi stuff a little bit really getting those facial expressions down i like i really like that we uh we know that the decepticons are now attacking this construction site and you get uh the return of some good old-fashioned g1 union boys (laughs) (laughs) right yeah because I mean, like they they got the yellow boots and the helmets and that uh, you know that's going to add towards my G one score at the oh, at the yeah. end of this. But yeah, that was a that was a delight to see. And even then, like it is kind of like vague desert too, um, just because like there's like these abandoned construction sites and stuff too. So it kind of does look vaguely 1984 as we're in the the far flung future of New Detroit. Right. Right. The the days of future past that we got going uh, yeah. on here. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this, so this battle that ensues when the Autobots show up to take care of Blitzwing and Lugnut is awesome. We haven't seen a battle like this, this good in a while. I, and in going back to what you were saying about the animation being different, I don't know if someone's working on this, a different team or something, but they're really hitting some notes. This battle is cool. There's an intense score the stakes have already been set up to be really high. And I thought it had a very like anime style to it. There was a lot of like the posing and some of the more classic stuff you get from an anime battle, um, including Lugnut's multi-missiles. When he does that thing where he he hunkers down and all the panels open and all yeah. his impossible amount of missiles fly out of him with these long uh, exhaust tails. I was like, oh, that's just so anime. That is such an anime thing. Absolutely. And, and that's and that's not the only anime trope we're going to see where we're going to see a lot of stuff very soon. But like, I love that like armadillo mode. He almost kind of goes into because you can hear the transforming sound, you know, it's like, and, and Lugnut does this a lot, you know, like before spoilers later when he actually scans, um, an alt mode, but anytime he like deploys his weaponry, there's a little to it. And, and I just, I, I, I thought that that was so metal when he like, you know, just like hunkers down and his back just opens up and, and all, I mean, this is, this is missiles, the television show, the, the, this episode of transformers animated brought to you by missiles. Missiles. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We haven't, we haven't seen this many missiles since homos where the spark is, was just shooting off uh, random stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and and I, uh, you know, prior to this, I I appreciate the self awareness by the by the Autobots when they when they leave Sorry behind. Like Ratchet says something to the effect of like, but I wanna- "We've barely held our own against one Decepticon. We're not risking your life against two. This is getting out of hand. Now there's two of them. You know that that kind of right. thing. Right." And these guys are tough. I don't, you know, there's not really a spoken uh, element to it, but these guys aren't bit players. These are the right. muscle of the Decepticons. And kind of to your earlier point, now I'm sort of backtracking what I said earlier, mm. when we get Decepticon, 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 uh, Black Arachnia and Soundwave were sort of, uh, you know, a gray area Decepticon and a makeshift Decepticon. This is two actual 
you know, we're here for the cause. We've been with right. the movement uh, and, and we do the grunt work and they're just basically death from above, you know, yeah. they're phase sixers, I guess, if we're going to put it in IDW. There you go. Continuity, yeah. Right? They're just going to come and lay waste to the planet and uh, clear, clear a path for Megatron. Yeah. I mean, any one of them would have been more than a match for the Autobots, but when you put them together, it's pretty dynamic. The, the animation here again, rocks like Slayer. So you, you get this, you get this really cool, a standoff between Lugnut and Bulkhead. Yeah. And and this this is so cool because like it it is classic Marvel comics, you know, where it's like you've got you've got your big bruiser characters just uh knocking the hell out of each other. It's uh the the first thing I had written down was that it's like, oh, it's it's the Hulk versus the thing. Oh yeah. But then later on, though, um, I, I was mistaken in my early note, note taking. Uh, Lugnut is basically Juggernaut. Oh, yeah. Oh, great point. Because he he even says something like, you know, um, <laughs> to where it's it's very much like, you know, kind of like what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object, you know, that that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so, so I, re I really, really like that, but yeah, it's like, you know, I, I, I was, I was waiting for Lugnut to just pop off and say, I'm the juggernaut bitch. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sneak it in there. No one will notice. Don't you know who I am? I'm the juggernaut bitch. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So this fight keeps going and it's, it's so sweet. And then to, to give it the most anime finish off of all, uh, Lugnut does the punch. It's got a name, capital T, capital P, the punch. Uh, Blitzwing has seen it before, has a name for it. Yep. Uh, and it's this very, like, it's kind of like Optimus's axe, right? Like it's rocket power. The The rocket opens up from, from his elbow. Yeah. Uh, and then it looks to me like he gets a big button that transforms on his uh, fist. And then when that yes. hits the ground, pff, smoking crater, right? Yeah. Like, that's scorched earth stuff. Real seismic charge action. It, it's a cool attack and it looks so dynamic. And again, you get that little bit of transformation to it. It's like, and then like the thrusters fire. And it's just, uh, again, this, this is, this is probably the most anime episode of, of Transformers animated I've, I've seen so far. This, uh, I, again, yeah. just the, the, the spectacular action that they, that they put into this is, um, it is very, very cool. Is it at this point or maybe it's after Blitzwing says like, you know, get, give me a warning next time about, about the punch. If I told you once, I've told you a thousand times, give me some warning before you use the punch. But Megatron makes his presence known. Yeah. And he, uh, but prior to that, he's watching this unfold and he's like, it's about time they came for me. But can they be trusted? After all, I've already been betrayed by one of my own. But I love this, this legislation he does with himself, where he's like, you know, Blitzwing is unstable, obviously. Um, yeah. But then he's like, Lugna is loyal. And right. so he chooses to reveal himself to Lugnut but not Blitzwing, which I, I thought was a, was an interesting dynamic there. Yeah. I think the scene's so cool because it's like 
Megatron, it's like doing the thing you're not supposed to do as a parent, right? You're choosing between your children. Like he's literally like, I'm going to pick my favorite here. And it's uh, one, two, three, not you, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's Lugnut is his, is his chosen one. That's who he's going to whisper in the ear. In. Or on the other hand, maybe he's like, uh, there's too many voices in Blitzwing's head. I want to be the only one. Right. So it makes a lot of sense. But yeah, it is a great scene. What What is that like for Blitzwing? Because we know that each face has its own personality to it. You know, it's like, you know, you have have the random Joker face, you have the more thuggish face uh, that's more of a brute. And then I guess you have what would just be kind of like regular Blitzwing, the one with the with the the more round eyepiece and right, stuff like that. Right, the sensible one a little bit. Yeah, but still kind of not. It's kind of right, interesting. Right. It's like, there. I, I don't know if there's a lot of nuance and difference between regular Blitzwing and say like, you know, the, the, the more uh, thicker chinned uh, Blitzwing, you know, the more violent Blitzwing because it's right. like the muscle. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I, I just, I just kind of wonder what's going on in that, in that bee's nest of a, of a head of his. And then of course you've got random Blitzwing just kind of like, you know, deadpooling it up. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of curious. It's like, they don't necessarily, I don't know that we've seen them like literally talk to each other, but they do have some concept of when the other one's talking because they take over and finish each other's sentences. Yeah. Um, so there is, there, there must be some sort of interplay between those three that goes on like off screen. Right. Right. And I, I wonder if there's a conscious choice where it's like, I'm handing this, what is the transition, you know, because it's like, yeah. Because, like, even, like, I mean, I, I still am taken back to the first time we meet Random Blitzwing, where it's like, you know, it's 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 his Joker face, and you're expecting him to be monstrous, but no, he's he's Deadpool. He's an agent of chaos. Yeah. You know, it's like, and then I'm going to break out in song. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> I mean, especially... He needs to with, start breaking the fourth wall, that face. That would be really funny. Talking about some of the other... <laughs> Transformers continuities, the ones that sucked, uh, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I I would like that quite a bit. I mean, may, maybe because I'm I'm just stuck on that um, that more than meets the eye. Whirl is just basically Deadpool. Um, so I think oh, yeah. I think that I think that's what's kind of kind of sticking in my head that way for for no apparent reason. Um, yeah, that tracks. Yeah, but um, so basically, heeding the call of Megatron. Lugnut just decides to 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 fuck off and he's just like yeah let's let's get out of here and even then Blitzwing's like wait what yeah and 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 then the Autobots are are just as confused it's like what, what oh, are man. we doing yeah their jaws on the floor they just got their ass kicked and then they just you know that's the only thing leave. that saved them really so basically like so so uh, Blitzwing and Lugnut kind of fight in the air, and then that's kind of how they end up at this army base, right? Yeah, they get in a little uh, mid-air collision there. They 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 sort of tussle with each other. I just think it's like, I think it's so funny all the uh, references Blitzwing makes in this episode to Lugnut being crazy, right? As he talks amongst his three personalities, yeah. <laughs> he keeps mentioning how crazy uh, Lugnut is. I just think that's a nice touch. That was really smart. <laughs> Yeah, so someone that has established multiple personalities is is flinging shit in the eye of somebody that says that he hears Megatron's voice. It's like, why does he find that to be so unreasonable? Right, right. Yeah, so the so the midair fight uh, 
ends with them coming crashing back to the earth. Um, and I think this part's really genius. Blitzwing mistakes the cops for Autobot reinforcements, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool because, yeah, that's what they would assume, right? Like, oh, man, right. the Autobots called their friends in. And but this is a great opportunity for them to uh, scan some new alt modes. We haven't seen this since probably about episode one. So it's pretty right. cool to see that back in the back in the saddle and have it be a uh, Decepticon doing it. And I think I think it's so cool uh, how Blitzwing the Triple Changer comes about. Like this to me is you know Triple Changers were a cool concept as a toy. This adds some credence to the story of why you would have a triple changer like this can't decide between the two modes. Let's scan them both and see what happens. I think that's genius. And yeah, the chaos face does the, why not both? And I, it kind of reminded me of like Joey from friends, right? When, when Chandler is like, I got to know Joe, you know, the girl from the Xerox plays buck naked or a big tub of jam. And he's like, put your hands together. (laughs) You know, (laughs) the chaos face is like, do both baby. Why do we got to choose? Yeah. And and I, I love that there's like a sense of danger and uncertainty to it. It's like, he literally says, you know, let's see what happens. Yeah, well, he doesn't, he doesn't, know, if it's he doesn't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he he might end up being some like you know horrible amalgamation thing where he's got like you know tank bits and plane bits coming out of the wrong stuff or whatever. And and yeah. and so I I think I think that's that's very cool. And I I love that it's a neat payoff for what we've seen of Blitzwing already having multiple personalities and you know what what better what better triple changer that's that's awesome yeah and the, and the vehicles he scans look so cool like um it's a little bit of a departure from the original blitzwing toy and the look and everything but the two vehicles he scans are just so cool it's like i just can't wait i can't wait for to see it and i can tell you right off mm-hmm. the bat mike the toy for blitzwing is excellent it looks exactly like both of those everything's hidden away real nice um, you think it's a marvel of engineering just having two modes that one looks like a total cartoon character one looks like a car this like everything seems to hide away like really nicely um I, again i'm just so amazed like how did they get to these toys to look like this stuff and there must have been some planning because otherwise i don't know how this toy could even exist this triple changer in this world and and there is um there's kibble for both modes in each mode as well which yeah. which is great because it's like you know the the plane mode or or the plane that he scans has what kind of looks like the bottom of tank treads on it already and right. and i don't i don't think that's a cheat i think that that's good design you know rather right. i think that's what uh, i think that's what people want to see and i think that's what some of the later live action movies were starting to get away from it's like no we we do like kibble to some extent we want to see that they have wheels we want to see that this there's some wings and some tank treads in this in the same thing to signify that they're a triple changer i think that's yeah. something the bumblebee got movie got did right when they introduced their triple changers there was definitely all those parts and pieces we wanted to see them all at once Absolutely. Um, and, and I love the bomber that Lugnut chooses. Like oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty neat. And the heavy armed it, cargo plane. I mean, yeah. and, and having just recently seen uh, rise of the beasts, I mean, that that's almost what stratosphere is. It's like, yeah. you know, just, just thicken him up just a little bit. I wonder if we could get, Hey, is there a stratosphere toy yet? I don't know. Not yet, but. Here's I mean, hoping. 
<laughs> I mean, I was going to say, you just throw some extra armor on it, and, and that's a lug nut retool just begging to be done. Oh, yeah, please. Yeah. There but- is actually a really great, um, it came out for Revenge of the Fallen when they were kind of taking some, it's the same line that, that took uh, and did Lockdown. Uh, reimagined mm-hmm. in that mode. There's one. There's one for uh, lug nut, and it looks so cool. It's very rare. It's probably so spendy. I'm never going to get my hands on one, but it Damn. it does look a lot like the show, but adding the realism of the live action universe. I want that toy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and welcome back to the show, Captain Fanzone. He's uh, a yeah. he's been he's been taking a break and I was delighted to see him return with with his bullhorn back in effect just yelling at people. <laughs> hey, someone want to tell me how something that big can just disappear? Yeah, the, we we they they're playing him just right. We we missed Captain Fanzo now for a couple mm-hmm. episodes. We want we wanted him back. We're excited when we see him again. Yep, he's doing his thing. He's still on his he's still on his bullshit, as they say. Exactly. And I I I am a sucker for any time we go back to the core concept of the Transformers. And again, a lot of fiction loses track of this sometimes. Transformers are robots in disguise. Yes. I and I like I mean, so we see the Autobots doing that a lot. But it's it's nice to see some Decepticons actually being robots in disguise and hiding. And again, kind of very, very 2007, very live action. Right, right. And that's something that we were missing with the Autobots because everyone knows them. Everyone, they don't need to be in vehicle mode unless they're doing a high speed chase. Uh, this we actually need to hide. Uh, the Decepticons need to hide on Earth. They need to do their deception thing. Right. And so we actually get the robots in disguise. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, so we return to the Autobot base uh, back at their abandoned warehouse slash factory slash fireworks manufacturing plant slash whatever you want yeah. it to be. They go back to lick their wounds, as it were. Exactly, because, yeah, they they, ju- they just got their asses kicked. I mean, just totally getting getting your dick knocked in the dirt there by, right. uh, by, the, by these uh, tough Decepticons. So it, it's here that Optimus decides it's like, we'll have to repair our ship and move the AllSpark off this planet. The, the only way to protect the AllSpark is to, is to get it off the earth. We, uh, yep. we gots to go. So, so Optimus gives the order to repair the ship. And, and I'm left with this question that I, I guess I hadn't really thought about um, because like in the earlier episodes, we're seeing the Autobots come and go from the ship on the regular, like before they 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 set up in their warehouse base. But right. I don't I don't know if I ever really got the sense that the ship is specifically in disrepair. I just thought it was just chilling at the bottom of Lake Erie, waiting for whatever. Mm. I I don't maybe I missed it, but like I I. I don't remember a line of dialogue where it's like, oh man, this, this ship is jacked. It'll never fly again. So we're just going to leave it here in the bottom of Lake Erie. Sure. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I don't think there is something that specifically says that. Although was there in the original Transformers? I mean, granted it was pretty heavily embedded in a volcano there, but uh, yeah. was there any sort of, you know, was there any exchange between Wheeljack and Optimus saying that thing's fucked? <laughs> So in the pilot in more than meets the eye part one, two and three, there, there is a, 
heavy emphasis on, well, we need to repair our ship. And in a sense, something that, that really one of, one of the weird unresolved uh, bits of continuity is they, it's heavily implied that they do in fact repair their ship and they're about to go back to Cybertron with, with Spike in tow. But, um, but yeah, I, I think the implication is that the ship is in disrepair, and yeah, like like I said, maybe I just missed it. I I, I didn't realize that the the ship was broken, couldn't fly. I I right. didn't think they because I thought that the entire uh, motivation for staying on Earth is to hide the AllSpark and to you know kind of kind of safeguard it. And mm-hmm. I I mean I I'm I'm probably making way too much of it at this point, but no, yeah, I think it just this tracks. It, it, just, uh, it just it just kind of threw me off a little bit where it's like, oh, what what do you mean your ship is broke? Yeah, well, I was going to say this is very believable to me outside of the universe, because as a person who didn't drive my car for a solid year during COVID, and then when I went to go start it ah. up, completely fucked. It was at least, a, I think I put at least a grand in it trying to get it fixed back up to running just from not being used. So I can imagine if it was down at the bottom of the ocean for 50 years. Yeah, this this thing ain't going anywhere. Excellent point. I like it. So we really kind of get ratcheting tensions, pardon the pun, or pun <laughs> pun fully intended, ironically enough, accidentally. Yeah, it's perfect. But yeah, it, it's like I, I had mentioned, I, I'm kind of frustrated with the recent trajectory of Sari's character. And this this sequence does not help where it's yeah. it's just like, well, we have to go. We have to protect the AllSpark. And it's like, oh, shit, how is Sari going to take it? Smash cut to her just just unhinged, unreconcilably whining. I think she's taking it well. Sorry. Please try to understand. Yeah, I mean, that's for sure. And I this this scene is important because it really leads to a great moment later. Uh, so this is, again, one of these things that is not lost. But yeah, you have you have kind of two interesting feuding viewpoints here. You know, Ratchet, but Ratchet's also being a little bit whiny, too, right? Because he needs Sari's key, but he doesn't like it. He knows what he can do to go repair the Ark. He hasn't wanted it. He's been too stubborn to ask for the key or for Sari's help. Clearly, this went on too long that Optimus had to like give an order. Like, that's enough. You're not going to fix it. Uh, you know, use her key. And then Sari, being a kid, uh, is just like, why well, don't want my friends to leave? And so she's trying to fight for like not repairing the ship. And that that you can say... That's sort of a shitty take to, to have when the fate of your friends in the universe potentially is in jeopardy. But at least she's a kid making this choice. Ratchet's an old war veteran being like, I'm not going to ask for help. Right. It's kind of alternate trajectories and there's enough wrong to go around. Yeah. And it is easy for me to forget that Sari is a child, you know, so she's not a fully grown adult you know makes perfect choices all the time exactly and that's (laughs) so and and this uses that and pays it off later so it's it's not to waste here and and you're absolutely right when you get you get that tender moment at the at the end it it makes this part worth it but as i was watching it the first time it, it really, it really grated on me. Um, was it cringy, as the kids say? Was it a little cringy for you? Yes. Yeah. The, <laughs> the cringe was real. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to give this a cringe score. 
Oh, there you go. There you go. But yeah, I mean, so, so Optimus, as he's telling them, it's, or it's like, it's like, like it or not, your allies. And he, he drops a line here about the, the key being quote unquote charged by the all spark. And mm. I think that that's an interesting line for a couple reasons, because one, based on all of our key legislation, I don't think that's the case. I think it's I think it goes far deeper than that than by just simply being imbued with the power of the AllSpark. I mean, yes, it's obviously that, but there is a deeper connection that I don't know if anybody understands. Yeah, I would say they don't. I think I think really the only one that gets it at this point is Megatron. I still think yeah. you know, I still think it's funny that they're kind of blaming Sari for what she chooses to do with the key when when really there's someone else kind of pulling the strings here. That's that's an excellent observation. Um, so sorry and Ratchet kind of get to work and they're kind of snipping and bitching at each other. And <laughs> and and, and um, uh, sorry says something to the effect of like, Ugh, do old bots always smell funny? <laughs> right. that, was a good, that was a great line. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you get some really good uh, uh, bickering here. Yeah. And then we have uh, old Kranz and Gilderstern. Uh, Blitzwing and Lugnuts, uh, you know, they're back kind of talking about what they need to do. And and we get more uh, Blitzwing commenting on the voices inside Lugnuts' head, which, again, I love. And then, yeah, then they're going to the, – the teams collide once again, right? So we get these yep. planes laying siege to the Autobots from above. Uh, mm-hmm. You thought you got the greatest battle already. Now we're getting another good one. And this one's, an, again, very sweet. Uh, it starts with like planes bombing the heck out of them. Prowl gets some shuriken work in, yep. which I love. We love to see that. Um, yeah, and and I think we also, you know, going back to Ryan Jett's famous line, we get some cars being cars action. There's actually uh-huh. some like driving around going on and using the vehicle modes, which I think is awesome in a fight scene. That's what they should be doing. That's that's the uh, dodge and weave of the Transformer world, right? Switching to car, switching to robot, switching back, being unpredictable. Yeah, that I mean that that's that's what you want to see that di- that dynamic action and we get we get so much here and again so many missiles all of the missiles Oh my god the <laughs> missiles here <laughs> This is like a thousand years of uh war efforts by the Decepticons just to arm Lugnut for this one episode yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine that there's like, you know, uh, you know, like Decepticon Micromasters that are that are just slaving away making missiles. And it's just like, why do we got to make all these missiles all the time? <laughs> and it's like, because Lugnut. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, Ted, who's using all these missiles? They're going through these missiles like left and right. What is with all these missiles? <laughs> yeah, it's good. I'd be a good bit. I'd love to well, see that. Yeah, you know, at the, you're at the uh, uh, Decepticon break room, and they're just just bitching about all these munitions. <laughs> it's like, it's like, why do we keep making this Energon mace? He used it once. Megatron well, I'm used missing that my one. kid's birthday, I guess, because I got to make more missiles. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh! Because yeah, yeah e- e- every new Megatron has to have that stupid Energon mace. He doesn't even use the damn thing. God <laughs> damn it! Right, this goes deeper. Yeah, <laughs> it's very, it's very silly. Um, so well, speaking of firepower, too, we also see yeah. again. Uh, Blitzwing has these cool ice powers. Yeah, um, yeah. how about so that? We, I think that's a really cool little touch. Uh, got a little fire and ice going. So 
yeah, he sort of, you know, we saw it once make like a little skating rink and now he uses it to an ice, the whole lake, uh, mm-hmm. or a big chunk of Lake Erie enough that it almost looks like winter time for the rest of the episode. I, I was going to ask that. And, and again, keeping with our chronology, you know, Halloween wasn't that long ago. It stands to reason that maybe we're in November times, you know, it, it could be, it could be kind of wintry, but my question is, so I live in the Pacific Northwest in the Seattle area. I, I will confess that I'm not entirely familiar with the geography of the Great Lakes. I know that they are great and mighty, but how thick is that ice? I just there, there's oh. there's a there's a lot of geographical challenges I have here. It's like first, how thick is the ice? You know, it's like so like for for the first time viewer, I I thought for some reason that the lake was already frozen, like for the winter. I don't know why I thought that. I don't. I would have right. to watch it a second time to see if I can find evidence to substantiate that. I don't know if that's just a result of Blitzwing's freeze powers. You know, it, he like freezes the entirety of the lake or whatever. Yeah. Um, which is, I would say that that is the case because as as someone that lived on the shores of Lake Superior, uh, that lake don't freeze. So uh, this would definitely have to be some sort of Cybertronian technology, some cryogenic level of freezing going on that could do that much. I mean, if we're talking volume wise, though, there's definitely enough water that you'd have that giant chunk and then still so much depth beneath it. Um, But yeah, it's that has to be some powerful ice rays. Yeah. And so you you go through this this whole thing where where blitzwing kind of like freezes the lake and then uh the autobots kind of like try to try to break through the ice to get down and th- this whole sequence gets kind of like visually confusing for me because like it, it feels like this this showdown happens like in the wreckage of an old pirate ship it's like, are are there are there pirate ships in the bottom of Lake Erie? I, I'm just. There are a lot of ships down there, but I don't know about pirates. It's possible. Okay. Well, maybe it's not a pirate ship, but so so it's so it's it's not unfair to say that that Lake Erie is vast enough to where there would be wrecks down there. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm sort of going off Lake Superior again, which sure. definitely has wrecks in the bottom. I don't know if okay. Lake Erie's big enough, but I would imagine if the same situation, uh, it's great for a reason, right? It's one of the great lakes for a reason. So <laughs> this is probably true. there's some room down there. I, I just I just like that we're having geography legislation. Yeah. See, because since we retired numbers legislation, why not uh why not have uh, uh <laughs> geography legislation? Because I was like, you know, and, and and that that lukewarm take goes all the way back to the beginning. I was like, how big is Lake Erie? How deep is it? How deep is it not? <laughs> to where the Autobots could just drive up from from their from their ship. So it's like so there there's certainly a lot of like, you know geographical misunderstanding that i'm just not um he's just actually not. really dialing it back folks he really wants to know about the geography here he's, he's doing really you a favor do. and muting it <laughs> <laughs> um so we ha- this is kind of where we have like the the big fight on the on the floor of the lake right where it's like you know everything's all all smoky and you know you got the 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 the, the sand and it, it almost yeah. kind of it kind of becomes 
like a submarine fight in a weird way, even though everybody's in robot form, it becomes, it's like, you know, almost kind of like Wrath of Khan in a sense where it's like, oh, you know, I see them out there, you know, yeah. that, that kind of thing. It's, it, it's, it's a very cool uh, visual concept uh, for, yeah. for that fight as the Autobots are kind of trying to make their stand against Blitzwing and Lugnut to, to buy Sorry and Ratchet more time to repair the ship. Yeah, and as a guy who's been watching a lot of Godzilla, it kind of reminded me of some of those underwater fights in Godzilla where there's just kind of debris around. Everybody's got to move a little bit slower, but it's another cool, yeah, visually cool third battle that we get in this episode. We're getting, mm-hmm. we're eating really well for battle fans uh, in this episode. Absolutely. Well, and it's kind of funny because, like, I I think our our recap discussion there there isn't necessarily a whole lot of meat on the bone because this is it's very action-packed and there are entire sequences where it's just wall-to-wall action so it's like in terms of like you know character development and nuance and dialogue and all that other stuff not a whole lot to to clue in on so i ironically enough i would imagine this this episode will be a bit on the shorter side compared to the other (laughs) episode that will probably be disproportionately long um so as much as we want to talk about second by second of uh punches going on uh, yeah (laughs) yeah because it is a lot of that it's just like a lot of great dynamic fighting and like is, is it here at this point where Megatron kind of gets in in Lugnut's head and it's just like Lugnut, don't get distracted. I want the old spark. Yes, I will not fail you, master. Fucking finish off these Autobots already. And he does this thing where he like transforms into plane mode and uses the the propellers to more or less push away the uh i keep trying to call it a smoke screen but i that's obviously not accurate because they're under the water oh yeah it's all the kicked up sand and debris uh spiraling around them yeah And, and basically pushes away all of the uh the debris field and the autobots are just sitting ducks here and optimus is like dude you gotta figure this out like now yeah yeah, the the time is up on uh, for both of them actually. This is like mm-hmm. this is ticking clock times two. Um, I would I do want to mention too. There's a really cool in this scene. There's a really cool showdown between Lugnut uh, and Prowl. It's really cool to see his like mass and strength against the leanest, lithest of the Autobots. Uh, mm-hmm. That was a really nice pair up that I appreciated seeing. Uh, but yeah, now the clock's ticking. They got it. They got to get to business. Megatron is pissed because they're not moving fast enough. Optimus is pissed at Ratchet because he's not moving fast enough. Um, and at one point, Lugnut actually, because of all that debris, Lugnut punches out uh, Blitzwing. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. And, and I think that that was the part that kind of made me think it was Wrath of Khan a little bit where it's just like, Oh no, that's us. You know, that, that yeah, kind of right. thing. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's, Oh man, so cool. It's like, Oh, I have you now. Um, so you get so much of that. And in all the fighting, we, uh, uh, skip past intercutting with sorry and ratchet working on the ship. And, um, sorry has, you know, kind of her uh, meltdown where she's just like, fine, I'm just going to sabotage. And yeah, finally, finally, you see the AllSpark intervene and it glows and it reveals itself. And this is the first time that the AllSpark has specifically 
communicated with sorry aside from that first time when they imprinted on each other but now it's like you know if, if there was ever a doubt that the allspark through the key with sorry had its own agenda now is the time that 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 is that is definitive because the allspark is saying like hey man megatron right this right. is what's gonna happen yeah, it's a vision of the future kind of a thing or like something, you know, a vision of the past and the future, actually. And finally, it needs to just be like, you know, I can't I can't be cryptic anymore. This is what's coming. And right. it shakes. Uh, sorry. She's very scared by what she sees. She's so scared that, in fact, that she opens a airlock and they're underwater and the ocean starts rushing in. Right. Uh, but before we get to that, I think I'd be remiss if we don't talk about uh, that when they first get aboard the Ark. Um Ratchet is talking to it lovingly, you know, and oh, yep. oh, you know, poor baby kind of a thing. Didn't think we'd forgotten about you, did you, old friend? And and reveals that this was once, this is a decommissioned uh, warship, actually. Yep. So there is, this isn't just a science vessel or a construction vessel that we are led to believe. Um, there's actually some some uh, hidden hidden weaponry on this bad boy. Right. And and maybe secrets yet to be revealed. Yes. Yeah. yes secret indeed. foreshadowing. Secret foreshadowing. Right. <laughs> Gotta be careful. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, this this vision of Megatron returning, very scary. Um, and, and Ratchet comes down, you know, to save her and to seal off the airlock. She can tell Sari's very shook. And this is where we get that really tender moment. This is this is beyond what I thought the voice acting capability could be um of cory burton because this this little moment of ratchet you can tell he's almost starting to cry and it it it, it made me well up a little bit right yeah um and he admits these he's, he's very fond of earth uh and that that's why they have to leave to protect it this isn't about me not wanting your help or this isn't about you know me hating you in any way i do like this planet and and more than that i like people and i don't want to see this this world destroyed just because we're here I understand. I've become surprisingly attached to this little planet and its people, especially you. Right. Right. Exactly. And and he even puts a button on it. It's like he, he escalates to the point where it's like, you know, if anything happened to you at the hands of the Decepticons, that's why we have to leave. I'd never forgive myself. Yeah. You know, which I mean, it, it, it makes the bickering earlier in the episode kind of really um it, it pays it off really well in that like you know you, you bicker with the folks that you love the most you know it's like because like you know i i don't know about anybody else but i don't bicker with people i don't care about you know i mean it's like yeah, it's exactly. like I, I i have to i have to like you enough to spend my time bickering with you that kind of thing right which is oh, which, totally. which is why we do this podcast boom roasted um but yeah no this uh th this this moment is uh tremendous and then even before that you you get um, or after that, I mean, you you get you get that thing where, you know, the uh, all spark key drags sorry by the neck over to the panel that she just wrecked, and and yeah. she's like, she's like, well, god damn it, what are you doing? And th then you see the all spark vision, but like, you know, through all of this, 
it finally clicks into place and you know they they can finally help each other and and yeah as uh, as we said ratchet has a plan and there's a there's a there's a couple surprises here and i couldn't help when when you see this um the uh the turret and the cannon and how it spins around um and again i'm i'm av- i i'm avoiding uh, secret foreshadowing, but it gave me feels of a different kind. It reminds me of Autobot City and Transformers the movie, where like that last turret spins around. And if yeah. they weren't, and if they weren't underwater, I would have loved a glint on the on the gun barrel. <laughs> right, um, right. You know, yeah, and there's sort of that. There's that almost physical weight to it having to turn, you know, yeah. they did that in such a way where it's like, someone's really like grinding gears to get this thing in position. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sort of evoked for me too, kind of the, uh, the millennium Falcon turrets too. Like yeah, they're kind of old yeah, and yeah. cranky and kind of like ratchet himself. And, and, you know, but yeah, it, it very much has uh, to keep it transformers. It very much has that Autobot city transforming feel to it. Yeah. And, and then these fools are just murdered. <laughs> just, oh, just, yeah. just like, I mean, I, I wrote down in my notes, are they okay? Exclamation point question mark. Yeah. Cause I'm like, it looks like they are super dead. This is like a railgun level weapon. Yeah. This is, to go, but to call back into like anime stuff, like this yeah. is just like it superheats the water around it. Right. Uh, right. It just boils away the lake. And yep. yeah, it's, it's a blast from, from not our world literally yeah it's it's yeah it's like fire up the wave motion gun yeah yeah exactly. it's very very much that and that was the wave motion gun it's a lot more powerful than we figured on um so but we we discovered that they are indeed okay um in in floating little bits cartoonish bits <laughs> where you get i mean and and it is revealed fast enough to where again children's show and you you know it's like if you establish that kind of peril you have to kind of you got to kind of undo it pretty quickly um it's like no they're super okay but but their bickering continues right and i i i guess at this moment the thought went through my head uh throwback to the along came a spider episodes like here you go lita here you go mike here's your dismembered decepticons that you wanted so bad here's the (laughs) chunks of their body floating in the water Oh, you're man. welcome. Merry Christmas. <laughs> exactly. Happy you New freaked. Year. <laughs> Feliz Navidad. <laughs> oh, but but man, yeah, these dudes get wrecked. Just fuck yeah. the fuck up. It's it is it's glorious. It's it's delightful. I I wonder because I mean I I really want to kind of look into this uh, uh, Blitzwing figure we were uh, we were just talking about, but oh, I wonder. Amazing. It would be so cool, kind of similar to how uh, Studio Series 86 Cup has removable arms and legs. I, I wonder what the removability of some of these limbs would be. If you could actually, like, pop them off or whatever, that would be pretty God, cool. Your, but Your freakishness continues. Where's Lee? Let's get it. her on the line. Let's get her in here. <laughs> she can talk about dismemberment, too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, oh, yeah, so we gosh. leave them uh, for a minute, and that would be a fitting end. You know, I could yep. see that being the, the classic ending of them floating in the water. We yep. come back to uh, the base and we see Sari seems to have learned her lesson about the key. Finally, uh, only wants to use it for good. Now um, her and Ratchet are on the same page. Finally. Yep. And Optimus, I guess he's been rooting for this the whole time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it took Ratchet to, in this situation to teach her the lesson. And best of all, she's Ratchet now. 
Yes. She gets grumpy. She does the voice. She she even takes on his dents a little bit. Uh, a little in the bit, animation yeah. Style. Yeah, she yeah. With that crinkly, crumply. If you could chip a chevron off her, it would have done it right there. Yeah, her her face gets really scrunchy here, and it's interesting because like you know, poor uh, poor Bumblebee is just like. Do you think you could customize me? Maybe add some of those rims that spin. <laughs> you know, and and it's interesting because like I don't remember seeing this before. Where, you know, I mean, it's it, it's explicit that that Sari uses her key to heal damaged Autobots. That that's that's obviously canon. But it was interesting to see Bumblebee's leg, who has like a hole torn in it, just close. I I don't remember if I've seen like that explicit of healing before. It's usually just like stick the key right. in it, rrr, 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 and and you're fine. Yeah, and this might be this might be something kind of new now that the key and Sari are on a similar page. Uh, maybe it's it's responding in a new way, or or you know, do now that now that they're kind of in, maybe it's more like uh, they're in sync, like like the drift in Pacific Rim. Like now that they're aligned on their goals, now things are working properly. It's not just a turning oh. over the engine. It's I can change the very nature of cyber organic matter. Right, right, which is terrifying in its implications yeah. yes absolutely and i bet uh black arachnia wishes she had waited one episode to uh make her appearance oh, no! then maybe, maybe it would have worked on her properly <laughs> yeah that, that's why she was crying in the moon like she's like god damn it yeah <laughs> i'm too early you should take a time traveler i'm too early i'm too early <laughs> yeah yeah so if only i had more time i have a time machine <laughs> uh but yeah i just i i love the that that sorry has that explicit specific line the key is not a toy this key isn't a toy bumblebee we're gonna need its power to repair the rest of your ship yeesh you sound just like ratchet <laughs> girl. yes yeah definitely a great payoff you you need that to seal the deal forever because like like i had said both in this episode and in the episode before sound and fury it's like it it felt like the development that sorry had made up to that point including in um episode nine along came a spider when optimus gives her the key and she's like yeah maybe i'll lay off the key for a while all of that just slid backwards like like yeah. we were having like negative character development and but this feels like you almost have to do that so that you can have the rebound this hard where she specifically says it and when she says it this time i believe her Whereas previously it was more that Dennis the Menace wink and a nod type of thing. Like, oh, I'll be good. You know, but yeah. this time it's like she's there. There's a earnest seriousness to it um, now more than more than there was previously. Right. Yeah. That's what I was kind of tiptoeing around in the last episode was, you know, we could say it was birthday week shenanigans, but, uh, you know, we did need to see this visually that she's kind of back on back on her bullshit again of, of messing around with the key. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it needs to learn this lesson again, even harder than before. And, and that's and then that's great because you're doing that a whole episode early. Like that seems like something another show would, would maybe start at the beginning of the episode, but they actually went a whole episode before it, uh, and let her run wild with the key and then pay it off in this episode. Yeah, absolutely. So it feels like the scales are balanced. And like you said, you know, we're, we're, um, we're drift compatible again. And, and, yeah. and it's a great, 
it's a great ending. This is a great moment. The episode could end here, right? With yep. I'm I'm fine with dismembered uh, Decepticon parts in the ocean and them having their little moment at the end. But instead, we get almost like a stinger, almost like a like a like a post mid credit yeah. scene. Uh, I, we in my notes, I wrote holy post credit scene. Yeah, seriously. I mean, uh, and that's exactly how it feels because in this 23 minute cartoon, we've already had two great endings, but nope. And and it feels exactly like like you said, like a post credit mid credit thing. It fades. There, there's an actual fade out, and then it fades back in. Yeah, yeah, and it's so cool. It this scene is so righteous because. Lugnut is sitting there and we've he's well established as basically a Megatron worshiper. And yep. he asks for a sign from the mighty <laughs> Megatron, come down on high and and save us, mighty Megatron. And who does he get? Who does the 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 traveler take the form of? Uh Starscream. Starscream drops out of the sky and offers salvation. I'll help you downgrades. In return for allegiance to him alone. Yeah. Wow, what what a thing that Lugnut's going to have to fight through. Yeah. Right? Wow. Yeah, what a thing. I mean, and and first of all, it's like, oh, so Starscream, super okay, apparently. Because, yeah. like, when we see him disappear at the end of Transform and Roll Out uh, Part 3, um, he, like, turns white, kind of chalky gray, like Optimus did when he died, and then yep. disappears. So... Right. Where has Starscream been? What's what's become of him? You know, it's just like so many questions. And oh, um so good. And and now I feel like now that that we're at episode eleven of sixteen, I, I feel like this is when we start going over the edge now. And it's it's just gonna be we're just on the freaking roller coaster now. Oh I yeah, absolutely. I, I cannot wait. <laughs> it's gonna come fast and furious. Yeah, <laughs> too fast. In fact, too, too furious. furious. <laughs> oh man! Shout out to uh to Ludacris there. Um, yeah. the sole reason our show is named what it is. Thanks, Ludacris. Yes. Yeah. Thanks, Ludacris. <laughs> oh man. Um. So there, there it is. That is Transformers episode. Uh, Transformers animated season one episode eleven. Lost and found. And, um, Ed, you were going to say something profound. Uh, no, but I was just curious, how do these new Decepticons stack up for you? I mean, we can take a little inventory here. How Now that you're seeing the team that was foreshadowed in the very first episode, now that we're yeah. seeing them fleshed out, who do you like? Who don't you? Uh, what, are, what are you thinking? Holy smokes. Well, I, I think, ironically enough, um, I think Black Arachnia has still been kind of, um, despite having an entire spotlight episode, that she kind of had to split with being an, an origin episode. Um, I think her, her character is still um, a little undercooked. Now that we've seen the transformation from Alita one to black arachnia. Now I want to just see black arachnia to where it's like, you know, unburdened from all the, you know, I just, I, I, I got a, I got a thing for a bad girl. So I'm, I, you know, I, I want to see more of that. Um, I, I am excited for the return of Starscream. I was very enthusiastic about this iteration of Starscream. So I'm, I'm glad that we're getting some more Tom Kenny in, uh, in this role. So I can't wait to see what happens next, but um, maybe it's because of the newness. I really like the, this tandem duo of Blitzwing and Lugna. And it's interesting because like 
as I've gone along in this journey, I've learned that that Lugna is a fan favorite character. And up until now, I'm like, why? I'm um, because it just it, it it seems like his defining trait is Megatron simp. And <laughs> right. that, that's fine. Um, but from a certain point of view, that's what you have Soundwave for. But here, or or even Shockwave in uh in in uh, G1 cartoon continuity. So when those two characters don't exist in that capacity, you need somebody to be that 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 fierce loyalist and and Lugnut um definitely fits that role, but I got um I I I like a evil bruiser as much as I love a good guy bruiser, you know, it's like, you know, I I like that he's the juggernaut that you know, he's basically like this this unstoppable object. Um that you know, that that kind of thing. I just like the the sheer force and brutality of him, but I um you know, I I had said previously that I've been waiting for Blitzwing. Like Blitzwing is one of my favorite characters. He was one of my favorite toys uh, as, as a kid. And now that I get to see kind of his, you know, kind of fully actualized nature with the three faces and now with the three modes, I like Blitzwing quite a lot. But yeah, no, I, I do understand why folks like Lugnut so much. So, so the jury yeah. is still out, but like I... I came into this episode given fuck all about Lugnut and I'm leaving this episode being a fan and understand why, why folks are ride or die for this guy. He's, he's a great character. Right. It's very easy to kind of write him off as sort of a amoebic brained and, and just sort of a foil for uh, bulkhead, but actually he's kind of his own thing and, and pretty intricate and very powerful. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, again, and he almost doesn't even need uh, <laughs> Blitzwing to be honest. He almost doesn't need Blitzwing. You're absolutely right because really, Blitzwing's contribution to the fight is really just kind of like the fire and ice. So it's like he doesn't even really use his jet mode to much advantage, and really, the the extent of his tank mode is using it to drop from the sky and which which is great i mean i i love that that's a great blitzwing thing where it's like he goes from jet mode to tank mode in midair and then just drops um yeah. i like that where he like drops through the ice into the into the the sunken pirate ship <laughs> but, right right um, that's well played that was well played yeah so um but yeah no no great episode uh great characters i uh i i am a fan and i continue to be excited for where uh where this goes uh i think it's time to get into mike's g1 score so yeah so this this one's kind of interesting for me because it does have a lot of references but it has a lot of references to stuff that isn't spelled out like you know all of the stuff with the Autobot ship that we're just not talking about because it's like it, it, I wonder if this is a a uh, Bucky really is the Winter Soldier thing and we're just going to pretend that he's not type of thing you know it's like sure. that, that I know that the Winter Soldier is actually Bucky you know that kind of thing <laughs> yeah because because like th this was something that came up on Twitter months ago you know somebody had uh, posted a, a, a picture of the ship and it's like oh hey man do you know what this is and I'm like well I do now <laughs> yeah <laughs> right, right I think it's one of those things where it, it is pretty clear but 
to me, I thought, and again, I don't know the trajectory of the show and nobody tell me, um, but it, it feels like they're either teeing that up or it's something that just becomes unresolved because I do know that there are things in Transformers animated that because it was canceled after three seasons, not renewed for a fourth season, that there are things that are kind of unrealized. So I don't, yeah. I don't know it where this stands like and it doesn't help that i've seen uh pictures from the allspark almanac i've seen stuff that joe bot has has posted so there are things that i know about the nature of the autobot ship but what i don't know is if that's something that actually happens or that could happen or could have happened um and again don't tell me but like i think that 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 skews my G1 score because I could say things like, you know, when, um, you know, even like the style of the, of the tank turret, there, there's a lot of Omega Supreme imagery here, yeah. but, but without having that deal sealed for me, I can't count it as an explicit G1 reference because it's not specifically referenced. It's heavily implied, especially when Ratchet is referring to the ship as old friend. But yeah, it's a, and, and even like, I think it goes all the way back to the first episode. It's something like, like there's a reference to like codename Omega or something like that. So it's like, it's, it's, it's in the DNA, but like, yeah. I don't think I'm supposed to look at it. I don't think I'm supposed to pull at that thread. So I've said enough sure. on it. I'm, I'm, I'm choosing. Sure. Not Let's to. just call it a, a transforming Autobot city reference and, and chalk that into your score. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, but really outside of the, uh, union boys and maybe the fact that, um, that we get vague construction vehicles. I, again, not knowing what this episode was, I, I thought maybe we were doing Constructicons. Like what, like when, oh. when Blitzwing rolls up to that, that, uh, that bulldozer, that, uh, that excavator. And it's just like, what do you know? Tell me, you know, that <laughs> kind of thing where he's talking to him. Like it's an alibi. I'm like, I'm like, is that secret foreshadowing? Is that what we're doing right. in this episode? Because, those construction vehicles do appear to be on model for what constructor cons could be. Yeah. I wonder if that was done on purpose to kind of, you know, subvert expectations of like, Oh boy, we're going to get them. Yeah. Cause I, I really thought that that was going to happen. But um, so for me that this, I don't know. I, I think I'm going to go in the middle. I'm, I'm going to give it a just below passing. I'll give it a 4.3 on, on the G one scale. Nice. Like the union, the union boys are fine. But it's like all of the Dark of the Moon stuff, the the lunar lander is, it, you know, the rover, those are references, but they're not specific G1 references. Um, but conversely, though, I, I score it higher because, like, I think part of what goes into the sauce of my score is, like, how much of a TFA episode is and how much of an anti-G1 episode it is. So right. it's like, so when I'm given something like a 1.2, that means it's not G1 TFA through and through. This one's kind of in the middle, you know, because it, it has a lot of that kind of that kinetic action that you would expect from a G1. It kind of gives a little bit of movie flavor. Um, so, yeah, I, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Sure. I was still caught up on you saying anti-TFA. I was starting to have glimpses of Antifa, and I hope this no, doesn't no, come to no. that. No, 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 no. <laughs> Nobody talked to me about Antifa. I don't want to hear anything. 
Yeah, no. Uh, how about no? <laughs> yeah, no, that's a that's a great score. Uh to keep the lights and sirens score going, uh I just wrote down, you know, uh in the words of K2SO, it, it's high. It's very high. There was a whole fleet of police uh quote unquote Autobot friends, and there was uh cars actually fighting as cars. There was like boom, 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 sirens all the time. Uh, you got some Captain Fanzone in there, which I think just the appearance of him doing cop stuff uh, bumps up the uh, lights and sirens score. So I don't know if it has to be an actual number, but uh, yeah, there was a lot of that going on in this episode. A lot of, a lot of cars doing car stuff. Yeah, I, and, and like seeing the entire armada of, uh, of police vehicles coming. And, and what a delightful moment where, where Blitzwing mistakes them for, for an army of Autobots. It's, yeah. it, it's that, very, well, that's very cool. so smart, right? I mean, that's, that could have just easily been like, Oh no, here comes, you know, transform. Like they actually made something of it. And, and that's those little great character moments when, when a character reacts the way uh, we expect them to are uh, really, really living up to what we want them to be. Well, and, and new earthbound Decepticons, why wouldn't they think that? Yeah. You know, yeah, because absolutely. like, because I mean, th- there's there's a little bit of it. I mean, you you kind of get it in the in the uh, um, construction zone scene, but that's about that that in shorthand kind of gives you the fish out of water thing. Like like you know, these guys are out of their element and really don't know what the score is. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think why it tickles me is as a writer, I honestly think I would have overlooked that detail. And uh, if I was writing this episode, I think I would have forgotten that. Like, oh yeah, they don't know what that is. They just think. There's things that look like Autobots to them. Yep. Yep. Exactly. All right. So with that, before we close out the episode with everybody's favorite, the Michael Andrews pre-coup haiku, uh, a pre-coup, if you will, <laughs> um, let's uh, <laughs> let's let's dip back into the mailbag and uh, race through some of the feedback we've gotten on um on recent episodes, um, got a got a couple tweets from uh, Stuart who is a component of the more than meets the ear podcast. So we're talking about transformers animated. Their podcast talks about transformers, Cybertron, and that's a, that's a delightful show. So if, uh, if you want to talk about like a reappraisal of a, a show that's been overlooked mostly by the fandom, um, uh, Josh, the host is a, he will go to bat for Transformer Cybertron, and he's brought some fans on along. He they they kind of watch in parallel with Transformer Cybertron, but then also Galaxy Force, the the Japanese counterpart. So they oh, do a cool. lot of they do a lot of compare and contrast. But it's a it, it's a fun podcast. I I wish it would come out a little more often, but they're but they're busy folks. I I can appreciate. Oh, yeah, we're ones to talk. Come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so so. Uh, uh, um, uh, Stewart is, is one of my G one brothers, but he, uh, he commented on, um, the, the generation X reference. He, uh, he, uh, that really seemed to strike a chord with folks. Yeah. I thought that would have been, nobody would have <laughs> picked up on that, but I'm glad to hear it's, uh, it's got some feedback. Yeah. And, and the thing that I appreciate and I, I, 
I, I almost want to kind of try to find a lane to do this more, but it seems like the obscure TV references is what people really seem to gravitate <laughs> towards. Um, so anyway, Stuart wrote, I also remember the Generation X TV movie with Bumper Robinson. I liked Fiona Hudges as Emma Frost. I knew her from General Hospital. I was a bit disappointed we didn't get Chamber in the film. Mm. And then there's a little bit of Chamber legislation. Um, and uh, fun trivia also from Stuart, a young Bumper Robinson plays Zamis in Enemy Mine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, oh, you kicked in on this. I, I thought this was Alpha Magnus for <laughs> yeah, a second. Yeah, I did. I did jump in on this because it was just such great conjecture. But yeah, that one totally uh, surprised me. The color scheme is very similar. The two Mike's Two Furious icon and the Alpha Magnus icon. It's all right. blue, white, blue, white, and red. But anyway, yeah, Enemy Mine is amazing and should be praised uh, whenever possible. My buddy Chandler, uh, who folks will know from Autopod Decepticast fandom as Mukka Spanka, he, uh, <laughs> he, he, he went back deeper into the catalog and uh, um, listening to Welcome to Earth, to be fair, uh, popped off for the out of this world reference. I don't think anyone, <laughs> I didn't think anyone watched that show either underrated theme song too. That is great. Yeah. A couple people picked up on that reference too. Uh, if you're looking for a wealth of obscure references to TV shows, boy, you've got the right co-host for the gig. So I'll start letting them loose a little more freely. I think maybe, maybe, maybe that's maybe that's what it is too. And he appreciated our inclusion of uh, Aaron's rap at the end of uh, of those early episodes oh, as well. Wait, so does good. the does the uh, mic drop disc track, which is delightful, kind of falls apart at the end, but out, outside of that is is delightful. <laughs> and 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 what we were talking about earlier, it's like you know you you only you only sling mud at the folks you care about. So I appreciate that he Absolutely. cared enough about us to uh, to uh, rap an entire diss track. You only um, diss track the ones you love. I think is how the phrase goes. I think so. I think so. Um, this uh, this came to us via email, and you can uh, you could send us an email at uh, two mics two furious at gmail dot com. Um, but this uh, this letter is from uh, New Daniel from uh, from APDC fandom, and he writes, "Hi, two mics. Just wanted to say that I was a huge fan of animated back in the day when it first aired, and I had several toys. I don't have any figures now since I sold them off to add to my G1 collection. Uh, this show has brought back a lot of memories and has reinvigorated my love for the show. I've started watching on Tubi TV and can't wait to hear Mike Seibert's reaction to more episodes. Oh, and I would love to hear the APDC guys on on a future episode, been a listener and fan of theirs for a while. That from New Daniel. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, I'd love to have those guys on. And and uh, New Daniel, uh, look forward to coming full circle and you selling off your G1 toys to rebuy your animated toys. So yes, yes. Can't wait to see that cycle play out. <laughs> oh my gosh, that that's a real triple takeover situation where uh, where we're just you know selling and buying and the and the and, and the and the cycle um, uh, continues. Um, it's a little bit of gift of the Magi. It's like a it's like that times two. It's like an infinite loop. Of the Magi? Yeah, there it is. So, you know, we we have we have the absolute best fans. Like, you know, I I I dreamed of having this kind of influence as a podcaster as soon as you know, for the whole time that I've done like podcasting and radio, it's like, you know, the 
the only thing, what, what gives me a huge charge is when somebody does something I've asked them to, you know, it's like support this comic book, go to the show, buy this record, you know, that, that kind of thing where it's like, you know, the things that I stump for and folks end up supporting um, it, 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 there's no feeling in the world like it. But like when, um, when we were talking about um, along came a spider and we were talking about the, uh, the costumes and I had said something to the effect of like, oh man, I really need to get a Dracula cape for my uh, uh, for my Bumblebee to have him dress up as Count Dracubot. Our buddy Springer Sword heard that, and he did a he got himself a Dracula cape, and he even went one better and did some digital touches, added the little Dracula fangs. Um, oh yeah, th- and th- this looks really cool. He even added some. Uh, cartoon animation accurate white pupils uh, to the toy so he kind of because that bumblebee toy the deluxe bumblebee I have has a uh, light piping so his uh, ah. so his eyes are clear blue instead of opaque blue like they are in the show so in Photoshop he he made them blue added the pupils added the fangs and uh, a- added a spooky background to it and uh, and says uh, listen to two mics two furious episode eight I want to suck your inner John <laughs> so uh, which oh, I, yeah. I I thought was uh, um, absolutely delightful um, yeah, and, and, I, I just want to piggyback on that a little bit. You all are great out there. Uh, the people listening and the people giving feedback. Uh, that's, you know, I always like to give my little snarky comeback to this stuff, but, uh, inside I'm just like, you know, oh my gosh, people are listening. So that's so cool. Uh, love to hear it. Absolutely. So, so, um, two more bits. This, this specifically is about, um, along came a spider, our, our two parter, um, our epic two-parter about yes, one episode. Yes, I corrected the timeline of numbering, which was something that was driving me crazy. Yes. So, yeah, so now this is our episode 11, which covers episode 11. Ooh, um, love it. And love we, get, it. we get five more bites at that apple before uh before the timeline resets and we go into season two and i'm gonna savor everybody (laughs) (laughs) uh so our our uh uh, good friend matthew barbario who follows us on youtube and comments on every episode and he's always got a terrific insight but like for uh part one along came alita he mentioned um you know, another great episode, Mike, Mike, and Lita. I can't wait for part two. This episode of TFA always kind of reminds me of Arachnid's introduction episode in Transformers Prime, which I too de- uh, definitely want you two to cover for a podcast on. Um, yes. So, so he's advocating for TFP, and I know a lot of folks are. Man, buddy, you know, aside from all this, man, we are going to have a real hard time figuring out where two mics goes after this because like you know there there's there's uh fan demand for beast machines there's fans demand for tfp and my my buddy uh ant from tfu.info he's like well how can you do beast machines without doing beast wars? And I, and I'm <laughs> yep. like, I'm like, we're not doing beast wars. Listen, listen to Autopod Decepticast for that. I don't, I don't, I really don't want to wait in. It's not that I don't want to watch beast wars, but I don't, I don't want to do a project like this on it. Cause I feel like so many people have already done it or are going to do it. I need to find something 
that's not that that and yeah. that and that's and that's why Beast Machines kind of appealed to me because I feel like it's it's underappreciated. But like when I talk yeah. to folks like Michael Andrews or like uh, uh, Mike in the Earth Sparkles, when we talk to General Techno, apparently he's got a lot of affection for Beast Machines. So yeah. it's. Well, and as I've said, there's a lot of synergy between the two shows. They both had the same showrunner. They had similar writers. Uh, they both have sort of this kind of uh, hot and cold in the fandom a little bit. Yeah. Uh, definitely. So, I mean, there's definitely uh, – that would definitely be a good spiritual successor to the show we're currently doing. Gotcha. And then maybe we could do TFP after that. I don't know. That That's 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 years in the future at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, to, yeah, to acknowledge that reference, uh, Matthew, the great, great – pick up there i think the only reason i didn't bring that up was because it'd be way too in the weeds for mike to get that reference but i'm sure lita and i are we're both in our heads screaming like oh yeah this is this is arachnid city yeah yeah totally um he says it's darker one of the autobots has a dark past involving a, the decepticon character spiders exclamation point while they're both quite different in terms of stories they do share those little similarities oh and I, too, enjoy Danny Phantom since it was brought up. Figured I'd comment on it, too. Yes. Yes. Oh, <laughs> man. Our, maybe we should do that show next. Maybe we should just dump ship and uh, cover oh, Danny my. Phantom from here on out. Put it, put it on the list, Mikey. Put it on the list. Sure. So so coming in uh, 2099, uh, Two Mike's Two Furious covers Danny Phantom. Two mics, um, do Danny. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll we're working on the title. <laughs> we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll keep workshopping that. Um, so uh, Matthew also had a comment on uh, part two, and I, I thought this was uh, um, uh, pretty poignant. Um, uh, this was an awesome two-parter, gentlemen! Exclamation point! I don't know who's a gentleman, but. Um, I'm so glad that you pointed out the helmet. I never noticed that before, exclamation point, which was a theme when Michael Andrews, you and I went through this like Halloween last year. So yeah. it's like, it's, it's, it's amazing how the helmet kind of gets overlooked. Um, and as I've said, I watch this episode every Halloween. I've serial rewatched the hell out of this, uh, that episode in particular. And mm -hmm. yeah, that was the first for me catching the helmet. Well, and it was wild. And I talked about this at the time, not to relitigate, but like I, I, I fixated on it because I saw it first time through second time through, I missed it. You know, it's <laughs> like, I, I, I didn't even notice it. I made such a big yeah. deal about noticing it the first time, completely missed it the second time. Crazy. That's wild. Uh, in defense of not returning to retrieve Alita's body, if she hadn't lived, would there be anything to retrieve? Between the fire and the pending explosion, her body could have been completely destroyed. Um, I learned tonight that it was originally going to be Hot Rod as Sentinel's character and not Sentinel. I'm so Whoa. glad I'm so glad they changed that. I love Hot Rod, so I wouldn't want to have to hate him like we kind of have to hate Sentinel, especially in this episode for blowing up on Optimus and not taking any responsibility. I don't have any attribution for that. I don't know if that's... Baffling. Yeah, I'll have, yeah. To, I'll have to go digging into the archives to see if I can find something like that. Or or Matthew, if you're listening, and I hope you are, uh, give, us a little, get, give us a little fact check on that one. I'd love yeah. to see where you got that. Yeah, cite your sources. No, I, 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 I say that lovingly. Um, and Matthew closes out by saying, I too like things being different from, quote unquote, the source material. They're transformers. Changing is literally in their name. If things were always the same from 1984 to now, it would get boring. Preach, brother. Um, yes, and thank you. And, and TFA 
would have been a very different show. The AllSpark didn't exist in G1, so it wouldn't have been here uh, or the movies or in Prime. So I'm happy when things are different. Parentheses. Sorry, Mike, and I'm not a millennial, so you can't blame it on me this time for that. <laughs> which, which, which here, 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 here. And, and it's, you know, and I don't, I don't want to wade too deeply into controversy as, uh, as we're getting ready to uh, wrap up, but I, uh, so we know now that, that Skybound Comics through Image has the license for the Transformers comics. And as of this recording, we have seen the reveals of all of the cast members, all of the Autobots, all of the Decepticons, and the character reveals are, um, it's like, it's like they went to Bora Bora. I mean, Bora Boring. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to check out the book. I'm, I'm excited for Transformers fiction. Um, I think that a lot of folks are already kind of coked up on unreasonable expectations. I think folks will be expecting kind of like IDW 3.0. And that's, that's just not the case. I, I'm not super familiar with the works of uh, Daniel Warren Johnson, who is kind of like the, the main creative force by this. Um, he does a lot of like big time action uh, wrestling style comics. So I think this oh, is interesting. Yeah. And, and his stuff is really visually dynamic. And so I think we're going to see a lot of really cool robot fights and a lot of really cool robot action. I think it's going to be lean on characterization just to stick my neck out for the fandom to come after me. Like I'm excited for the book, but if people are expecting exciting new takes, I think they're going to be disappointed. If you're expecting TFA um, or something like that, or something on that level of like reinvention, um, I, I hope I'm wrong, but I think it's just going to be safe vanilla G1. Ooh. Well, thanks for not stirring up any controversy at the end of the show, Mike. Really appreciate exactly. <laughs> and so that being said, let's uh, let's uh, um, uh, wrap things up with everybody's favorite segment. It's the Michael Andrews preview haiku. As I as I run to the other side of the room and 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 fade down the lights. Oh, that's that's a little better. I'm yes, getting a little bit, of, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was kind of getting some eye strain here from these fluorescence that that uh, that we're in. But yeah, it's like you know we got kind of bring the mood down and just kind of kind of cool down as we just kind of kind of ease into the the cool cat club here tapping the bongos <laughs> all right here we go with preview haiku sorry goes missing an old island plays a part secrets come to light oh snap yeah I don't want to dive into these. Like, I don't, I feel like we don't need to dissect my preview haikus, but there have been moments where I want to like go back and be like, see, Mike, this was cool. I said this here and it actually paid off. Like Toy Story gets metal was my yeah. uh, reference to the sound and fury episode. That's right. Spot on. You know what? I think you're absolutely right because we don't, we don't spend enough time revisiting that. Well, let's, um, well, let's slot that in there somewhere like like maybe uh maybe before the g1 score or maybe just after the g1 score before listener feedback um we're workshopping all this i'm editing all this out but this is a living this is a living document yeah it's a living document exactly (laughs) this this audio podcast entertainment is a living document exactly i love it okay well fine fuck it i'll leave it all in 
We'll, we'll do it live. We'll do it live. <laughs> I'll write it and we'll do it live. Fucking thing sucks. What do you what do you mean to play us out? What do you mean to play us out? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, and and that and and that's that's it. We did, we we done did it. Uh, um, you know, uh, make good choices and take care of yourselves and take care of each other and be good humans and all that other fun stuff. Uh, thank, and thanks, pizza. And, and thanks for hanging out with us. We we always um, uh, really like that. Uh, but yeah, what a what a fun dynamic episode. It makes me want to go watch some anime now. Exactly. Maybe, yeah, that was yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, maybe watch some uh, My Chemical Alchemist or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> That's not a thing. That's not a thing. Oh my god, I love that oh, though. I'm leaving <laughs> that in. I'm li- <laughs> my chemical alchemist. Jesus, Christ. how do you get full medical? <laughs> god damn it! I can't talk. <laughs> I just gotta Woo. stop. Oh man, now I gotta figure out where to put that four seconds of fade in there because that that bit of rummy banter was gaga gold. <laughs> yeah, that could be like even just right after the right yeah. after the music. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. <laughs> Want to be a guest on the show? Send us an email to mics 2 furious at gmail.com. Interact with us on social media. You can follow 2 mics 2 furious on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at 2 mics 2 furious You know what else was tons of fun, though? In the time since we met last with our with our good friend La La Lita, Step on Me Spider Mommy, which <laughs> be, best best episode title ever, by the way. Yeah. But th- there's been a movie. Yeah. Everybody's favorite robots in disguise have returned to the movies. And I, I think a bunch of us have seen it a bunch of times. So I thought before we kind of get into the meat and potatoes of the episode that's in the title of the episode that, that you're about to listen to, I thought let's uh, let's take a couple minutes and and talk about the rise of the beast because um, Michael Anders, you you have a great affection for the live action movies, specifically the the first run of them, the Michael Bay ones, and I think it would be accurate for me to say through your 
affection for those movies that I've really kind of softened my perspective a bit because oh, like, yes. <laughs> well, and it, for me, it's, it's been in stages, right? So it's like, I like that first one just fine. And, and then it kind of goes from there and I sour on the live action series very swiftly after that. In fact, as of this recording, I still have not watched the last night. I still have not seen that movie. Wow. Because for me, that was the one where I was like, you know what? I, I felt so burned by Age of Extinction because I don't know if you remember this or not, but there there was a narrative going into that movie that, oh, this is going to be a soft reboot of sorts. You know, yeah. no more no more Shia LaBeouf. We're bringing Marky Mark. We're going in a air quotes different direction. It's kind of like a soft reboot or or like a reset maybe was the was the word. Yeah. And and it's none of those things. And I felt so burnt by that when last night came around. That's kind of where I made my stand. I was just like, I'm not going. I, sure. I got I I I've I've decided that I have a line and this is it. But but that's not here or there because like what I what I've learned in being part of this fandom for the last five years or so is that those movies are important in a lot of ways. One, the financial success. One, the reinvigoration of the pop culture. We don't get all of this G1 stuff. We don't get the G1 revival stuff without the financial success of the live action movies. Asked and answered. We, we've already uh, we've already litigated that. But the 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 piece that I was still kind of missing, even once I landed on that perspective, it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, moviegoers are dumb. You know, they'll, they'll just, uh, especially in in uh, overseas markets, they'll just go see anything. So it was still kind of like a hard, crass, kind of ugly, cynical perspective on it. But then I run into folks like you and folks like some of our friends that genuinely love these movies. And I think that's where kind of my Grinch's heart started to melt a little bit and, you know, soften on stuff like like character reuse or characters in name only and things like that. Yeah. And and I think that that has helped me um, appreciate things like Transformers Earthspark in a way that I might not have before. And it certainly primed the pump for me to be open and excited even for these drastic new takes on on classic characters here in Transformers Animated. I think this project, it, especially this particular episode, is yeah. a great example of how I've come back around because I think if I had watched this in February of 2008 when it first came out, I would have rejected it and I would have been angry about it. Ah. And, and I don't want to get too deep into my cold, cold takes, but <laughs> I like the episode quite a lot and I like the take quite a lot. And I think it's because of my interactions with folks like you and our friends that's like, Aww. you know what? I like these movies and it's okay that I like these movies. And I'm like, okay. So, well, then I'm done. I've did my job. I think we can uh, stop the podcast. I've, I've done what I wanted to do with it. <laughs> so that being said, the, the beast done rose and there, there are a variety of provocative takes and I think they're all valid. I've said a lot about this movie. I did a, a non-spoiler review, like 
right as I walked out of the theater, uh, we happened to see an advanced screening as part of our uh, partnership with uh, Sidefest Northwest. Uh, we were able to give away tickets, but we were invited to see the movie early. So I did a non-spoiler review. Then I did like a full spoiler review with the of the Sidefest organization team. And then later I joined the transmissions guys on their full spoiler show. And so more or less, I've said a lot about this movie. I like it. I think it's fun. I don't know. It's like, I, I think, I think the, the word that I used is that it's, I, I said, it's like breezy and fun. It, it's approachable. And it's one of those movies that you could just watch. That's why I think yeah. so many of our friends have seen it so many times because of its watchability. Absolutely. So that's kind of my thesis on it. Um, I have um, I have a couple other things I, I I could say as we go through, but uh, but I would somebody that doesn't have a half dozen other podcasts that that he <laughs> hosts. Um, uh, Michael Andrews, I would like to cede the floor to you. I'm very curious, given all of that preamble about uh, live action and and beast characters and all that other stuff. Uh, share with us some of your thoughts about the rise of the beast. Yeah, well, it's kind of interesting because I felt the same way about it that I felt about Bumblebee, which was I saw Bumblebee. I liked it very much initially, but it sort of felt like a Band-Aid or a cure for like, sorry about all those bad movies. Here's here's one for the true fans. And I didn't, I don't know. It, it didn't speak to me that same way. Right. Like it uh, I didn't need that. I liked the movies that came before. I didn't need an apology for those movies. Um, but. That being said, Bumblebee was very cool and fun. And, you know, it was like this weird E.T. 80s movie. I could I can't I still can't believe that movie exists. I still can't believe we got that movie. And Rise of the Beasts kind of felt the same way. Like, I love that it takes place in the 90s. I love the pop culture references that are spot on for that time period. I think you get a ton of bots like you get a ton of bot action. You know, you get the on screen, you get the minimal human involvement. I think they're really starting to find that. Uh, balance between, hey, it's really expensive to have Transformers on screen, but people also don't want to see humans for two and a half hours or two hours of the two and a half hours, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I think that's really cool. But yeah, that being said, uh, you know, I still think they're trying to give us sort of like something easy to chew, just a kind of a bubblegum pop uh, movie with with robots in it. They're They're getting closer to like making real characters, real human-like characters out of the Transformers with backstories and thoughts and opinions and that sort of thing. But it, mostly it's still kind of like a, they're, they're still sort of catchphrase engines, right? They, they just want to be yeah. out there to say something catchy and quippy and, and be funny for two seconds. Um, it's a weird, I like it. I like the movie a lot. I don't want anyone to come away from this uh, thinking, oh, he hates it. But because I thought it was very cool. I saw it twice. I was very pumped both times. Big hero moments like, like big, it's definitely my favorite Optimus uh, out of all the movies so far. Um, I think this take on Optimus like really spoke to me and was just kind of a cool, little bit different version of Optimus. Uh, gritty kind of, you know, we've seen Optimus sort of like make a mistake and have to kind of deal with the consequences of it. But he wasn't as mopey as I've seen Optimus be before. He was more pissed, right? He was a little bit yeah. angry at himself, but it drove him to action. That's what I need. I don't need inaction Optimus. I need action Optimus. And I think that's what we got in this movie. That's a really good way of putting it because like I, I had to see the movie twice before the Optimus characterization clicked with me. Cause first time through was like, Oh, this is just IDW Optimus. 
oh, this is just Netflix War for Cybertron Optimus, where it's like it's um, angsty. You know, he he may as well be a, a Scarlet Spider from Across the Spider Verse. You know, that kind of thing just just dripped in '90s angst for like <laughs> no reason. But when you see it a second time through, I had a better appreciation for the character arc because it's it's the most character this character has ever had in these movies. Yes, and I think it's some of the finest acting that Peter Cullen has done in the role since 1986. Oh, totally. It's a full performance, I feel like, and I feel like it's got it, it's got a nice character arc. I was going to say, well, you get a lot more, um, I mean, for lack of a better word, long-winded kind of things that, that uh, Optimus says in this movie and, and subtle things and quiet things uh, instead of just, I'll kill you, I'll kill you, transform, you know? Like, this is actually an Optimus that has you know, a reason to be down on himself and isn't in love with himself. Like some of the other versions of Optimus in the live action films and, and just seeing that and sort of digging into that a little bit and his past and, and you get some, you know, you get more Cybertron world building, which I love. We haven't really got a lot of that. We just know their planets destroyed, right? We had like five or six movies and we just know their planets destroyed and it's behind them and in the past, but this was getting into like how they feel about it and why and what happened and, and the mythology of it. I just think, a lot of that stuff is getting closer to the Transformers I want in a live action movie. This is this is a step in the right direction, but I think the movie's biggest strength is in its approachability. Absolutely. I would say, though, I, I do have a, a couple of criticisms. One, I feel like its treatment of the Beast characters reminds me of my criticism of the early Michael Bay movies where, where, Hey, these are just robots, yeah. you know, not a lot of characterization, not a lot of dialogue. Both other beast characters do speak. Rhinox has one line. I think Cheetor has one line, maybe two, but still it's like they, they, they kind of fade to the background, like any other given live action character that we feel like wasn't really given their proper service. So yeah. that felt like sensibility wise, like it was sliding back that direction yeah. and depending upon your mileage is, is either a criticism or an observation. But the reason why I wanted to talk to you specifically, Michael Andrews, because like there, there's been a take that I keep forgetting to bring up in all of these different podcasts that I've been on and you nailed it when you talked about it on Twitter, but you talked about, the thing that's missing and the thing that's missing is the sense of scope and scale and awe with regards to the robot characters. Like, and I didn't, I didn't notice it at first. And it was one of those things that I had to think about it. And then once I saw your tweet, it crystallized. So like, I mean, a, a iconic moment that I think in just Transformers history across all franchises is when we see Optimus and the other Autobots that, that first time reveal themselves to Sam and Michaela in 2007. You know, like like the music is swelling and, and you know, it's like, yeah. you know, the, the truck stops, it holds on the Autobot logo, and then it gets into the unfolding. You get all the sound effects, you get the music, and through their acting even though Shia LaBeouf and Megan Fox are just staring at tennis balls on a, on a green screen, they still convey that sense of awe 
of like, holy shit, that truck just turned into a robot right in front of me. And yeah. even so it's two things. One, in Rise of the Beasts, when you see Optimus transform, it's not even on screen. He's like walking between two trucks. Like you see his feet and legs and like you see a truck and then you see the it felt very Netflix to me. I'll be honest with you. It felt yeah. very where we're just hiding transformations. Now, I would also say that that's probably allocation of budget throughout the entirety of the movie because you get some top tier transformations. So I, I could see that, but like it feels cheap. The first time you meet your hero character, it's at night and it's, you know, it's obscured. Yeah. And it just, when we go from 2007 to 2023, now I think it's also fair to say that you don't necessarily need that in every movie, but I think you need it in this one. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. It just, it just felt like it was uh, missing. And another thing that was missing as well, like the Noah character doesn't really seem to be all that. Uh, he seems very nonplussed about being in a warehouse full of giant alien robots. Doesn't, I mean, sure. you, get a, you get a great bit of comedy where, you know, he's got the pipe and all of that stuff, which I think is great. I think it's a great gag. I think it's a, it's a terrific bit, but you trade that for that same sense of wonderment that Sam and Michaela saw. And totally. I think to, uh, you know, I've been trying to look at this through two lenses. Um, I, one of my takeaways right away was the plot seemed too simplistic. The puzzles and stuff were too easy to solve. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, you don't get a lot of like, Oh my gosh, they're robots. It's, it's more comedy jokey. Um, but then I look at through it, the lens of like a younger audience, uh, kids going to this movie and I think oh they they actually did a really hard thing which was find a medium between a child audience and an adult audience um, and and that yeah this probably really resonates with with kids going to see this movie um, it has enough stuff for the adults and maybe we're just like a little bored because like it's we we get it we know we've seen Indiana Jones we kind of know what's going to happen here <laughs> but yeah uh, but but it relates to kids. And I think that they can think that's funny and they sort of have that, like, you know, it's that Disney channel thing, right? Like you got to make a joke. You don't, you don't really go okay. into it being actually odd and afraid and scared. It's like, Whoa, robot. And then you do a goofy voice, right? Like, and then it's done and then you move on. Uh, so looking through it, that thuns, I was like, okay, I get it. I get why they did it. Maybe it's not for me, but it is tough to make a property like transformers for the entire spectrum of fandom. Yeah. Which, which is what I what I appreciate about it. it is again like you know the the basic simplicity of the storyline is both a compliment and a criticism yeah. because like I I was very complimentary of it. It's like cool, straightforward, easy to follow. You can tell who is who. You know that that kind of thing. Like it, it felt very streamlined and delightfully uncomplicated. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and, and and like I was saying before, big hero moments. I don't think I've got that in in the Transformers movies, live action movies prior. There's just big like my heart swelled when, you know, there's like a pose and they paused on Bumblebee and they paused on, you know, Optimus. I was like, oh, man, like I got excited. I felt that like yeah. youthful excitement that I haven't felt in a long time. So for those just couple of moments alone, you know, 10 out of 10 for me. Yeah, it's. 
It, it's a good, fun movie. I, I like it quite a lot. And and I'll gladly watch it again. Um, so so that being said, like, you know, obviously we're a, we're a Transformers animated podcast. So um, in in going through references, like, so like there there's references to all kinds of different continuities and all kinds of obscure characters. For my eye, since I have not watched TFA in its entirety, I, I think really the the only kind of and even then it's a stretch because i want it to be really the only tfa sensibility i picked up was the axe and because like because optimus prime's axe looks very much like his fireman's axe in and transformers animated here so it's like so i was like the one guy um, at the end of the movie where Optimus has to like save himself, he takes the axe and he's like, you know, jams it into the ground. He's being dragged across. And I'm like, yes, yeah. call the axe, call the axe. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh, that's and, really cool. and I like that we got so much axe play out of it. And, uh, and Bumblebee gets to, gets to wield the axe for, for a hot minute there too. And he does a version of the thing we talked about a handful of episodes ago where like if the the thruster on the back of it in tfa is almost an anime trope and bumblebee almost takes like an anime-esque swing with it oh so yeah. so 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 that kind of that that really kind of uh, uh gave me a little bit of the tingles there but right outside outside of that i don't i don't know if i necessarily clocked anything that that screams tfa to me but right. I, I defer to the serial rewatcher. Did a, did anything kind of kind of uh, cross your radar? No, I, you know, not really. Um, I guess if I had to give it a TFA score, like how we give this a G one score, I mean, yeah, it's 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 low, right? It's like a yeah. it's like a two point seven five or something. You know, mm-hmm, that axe mm-hmm, is kind of mm-hmm. carrying most of the weight. Yes, um, <laughs> there. I will say the 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 look of Cheetor in that movie. Um, does kind of track with something in Transformers animated, but because we're not there yet, I can't talk too much more about it. But uh, I did see, I did bump up the score a little bit for, for cheater in that movie too. Excellent. Very good. We'll get there someday. Um, You can know someday we'll let you in on it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, We didn't even really touch on Mirage. And one of the, I think one of the, the under utilized takes or kind of like under, uh, I I think Mirage has a lot of hot rod in him, and I like that characterization. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, not enough people are saying that. I think um, some somebody recently on Twitter did a digibash where it's basically uh, Mirage in hot rod colors with uh, with a spoiler on the back, and it's like I fixed it. It's hot rod. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool. Let them come.